0: Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start, Do you remember? Oh now, what happened? How oh, did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok, John the Podcaster on Twitter. And you're tuned in. It's our nationwide search for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us virtually in the studio from Temecula, California, I have Lori Raymond with Termaline Enterprises. Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to connect with another guest, especially since you're not the first guest we've had from Temecula. So much to your surprise, I know where we're talking about. Uh, You know, this is is somewhere that we have visited already. So that's pretty amazing. Now, we always start out our show with an icebreaker question. Today's icebreaker question. And this can be hard for some people to answer. Uh, I know my memory is terrible sometimes. And today's icebreaker question is, what's the last thing you ate?
1: Oh, that's easy. Okay. Super easy. Have you tried wild chips?
0: I have not. Wild chips.
1: Wild chips are actually a high protein chip made out of shaved chicken, (laughs) shaved chicken breast. So I had buffalo wild chips about a half an hour ago. Okay. I'm trying to think.
0: My wife was just telling me about some TikTok chip that she saw that she wanted to try. And I want to say that they had different flavors like that. It might have been what she was talking about. So it might be something we have wanted to try, but we haven't had yet. Um, We were just at a restaurant. So we're on um, kind of a keto diet, if you will. Basically, I'm just cutting a lot of the carbs out of my life right now. And it's not that I'm doing super low carb or anything. I'm just trying to not eat all the breads and pastas and starches and stuff that I love to fill up on. And then obviously, with that comes exercise, eating less. Today, we actually saw a TikTok video yesterday. I think my wife saw it of this guy at this place called Houston Hot Chicken. Okay. And they're actually in a lot more places than Houston. And uh, it is an amazing little chicken joint. I'm a huge hot chicken fan. So we were like, you know what? Let's go try it for lunch. Cheated a little bit. And I had, um, God, I cannot remember the name of the fries, but basically they've got chicken on them. There's like corn, beans, Parmesan cheese, all this yummy stuff inside of there. But what they're known for in the video we saw was obviously how hot some of their chicken strips can get. And so I am kind of a daredevil type person a little bit. There is by the time this episode releases, there's a video out there of me on TikTok and Uh, Instagram reels trying their hottest flavor that they have. You have to sign a waiver in (laughs) order to eat it. And it is. So basically when you're eating, they have Scoville heat units for all of their sauces. And then they have like mild, which is not much at all. And then the one I had was spicy, which is 150. The one I was going to order before the cashier was like, hey, don't do that. Trust me. Uh, The one I was going to order was called liftoff. That one is 600 Scoville heat units, so it jumps up quite a bit. And then the one that I tried as like a challenge was 2 million Scoville heat units. It is a a combination between the Carolina Reaper and scorpion peppers. And uh, it was intense. I had one small bite after I was done eating just to try it out and say that I tried it. I could not eat the whole chicken strip. Maybe I could have gotten a second bite if I really hated myself and didn't want to make this podcast episode today, but man, I don't know if you like spicy at all. If you do, then they're medium and uh, mild and their spicy is good, but anything above that is extremely hot. And especially unless you're doing a challenge, I don't see any reason to order their Houston, we have a problem heat level.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. I love spicy, but that would just be too much. So I would probably go for the medium and be just yeah. happy with it.
0: Look. it. It took me probably 30 minutes to get rid of the burn before I was able to you know, walk around without drinking water every five seconds. So it was an interesting one, but I saw that icebreaker question and I was like, man, that is today's episode because of what I just did. We're going to have to talk about it. But yeah, these wild chips, I'm going to have to try them. I think that's what my wife was telling me about and it sounds delicious and sounds like something I'd be able to kind of
1: eat with my diet. They're kind of my new favorite go-to when I want that little crunch, but I want protein.
0: Yeah, protein's a big one. Got to have it if you want to gain muscle and lose weight, yep. for sure.
1: For me, it's buffalo. Buffalo. It's got to be buffalo. The other flavors, I'm, meh. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I So I heard, and I talked about this on a past episode, but I'll say it again. I heard the most amazing saying, and that is, if you ain't sneezing, it ain't seasoned. And oh, that okay. Is, yeah that is how i go is like i've got to have some seasoning on there i want a little bit of spice i want to be able to taste the food i'm eating more than just those regular basic flavors i want a little hit on my tongue so yeah for sure hey there entrepreneurs are you tired of juggling multiple platforms for your marketing and sales needs it's time to revolutionize your business operations with wingman wingman's an all-in-one marketing automation software it's designed by experienced marketers who understand your struggles It's a game changer. It combines the best tools to streamline your communication, automate your workflows, and grow your business. Capture leads using landing pages, surveys, forms, and more. Nurture them with personalized messages via voicemail, SMS, emails, and even Facebook Messenger. And close deals with built-in tools to collect payments, schedule appointments, and track analytics. Say goodbye to multiple marketing tools, and hello to Wingman. It's your unified platform for all business needs. You can enhance your online presence manage your reputation effectively and cultivate leads effortlessly so are you ready to take your business to new heights visit trustyourwingman.com today and let wingman be your co-pilot to success
1: I awesome sorry.
0: well as you could tell i could talk about food all day so uh, <laughs> we're not here for an hour and a half of food talk we're here to talk to you and learn about lori so where did you come from? How did you get into entrepreneurship? What is your origin story?
1: So great question. You know, um I I think it everybody has a story, right? And I think that the more we listen to other people's stories, we hear common threads and then we always hear something that is like, hey, I hadn't thought of something that way before so i really love the storyline of origins and and love what you're doing so my background pretty simple i've always been in sales uh i was born in southern california raised up in the pacific northwest just north of seattle washington and then moved back to southern california when my kids my two daughters were young lived here had horses as i mentioned so um did that and then got into uh, my current industry, which is coding and marking and um, product identification. People ask me all the time, how did you get into what you do? That's uh, first of all, it's, it, it's pretty unusual for women to be in the industry that I'm in. Uh, there there's more and more women in, in packaging all the time. And uh, we are in consumer goods packaging. So those wild chips that we were just talking about, they come in a bag, and much like any other consumer good, the first thing that you do when you pick it up is what?
0: Look at the package. See what's what? on there: nutritional facts, the name, branding, all of it.
1: Yes. And if it, let's say it's a gallon of milk, what's the first thing you do?
0: Uh, expiration date for me. It's
1: perfect. Okay, so. I own a company that manufactures and distributes the equipment that prints those date codes kind of, kind of niche oriented. We always say we're an invisible industry because we're that industry that nobody really knows or cares that exists until they drink a a cup of spoiled milk. Right. And then they're (laughs) like, what the heck, you know, what the hell did I just do? So Um, whether it's food and beverage or it's pharmaceutical, everything has a code on it now and traceability. So I got into the industry back in 2008 and, uh, I came into it and spent three years just handling the consumable part of the industry, which is inks and supplies and, uh, was in the business with my late husband. And then in 2015, after a very short uh illness of cancer, he passed away. We had three employees and we had a pretty good solid book of business and I said i either have I have two choices: I can go pour coffee at starbucks or or i can or I can take this company on and Having always had a very entrepreneurial side to me, I've done a lot of different businesses. Um, My first one, when I was an art major in college, I made, I made jewelry, believe it or not. And that was, I won't even tell you what year it was, but I, I went around Seattle, I went around Seattle and I actually sold my jewelry to five different shops in Seattle, Nordstrom being one of them. And that kind of got me started. I was always wanting to do more, always doing more for myself, for my kids than just working in corporate America, although I did some corporate positions as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, now you said it was a long time ago, and you were in school, so it had to be early two thousands, two thousand one, yeah. something like that. Because you're are, you're not over what thirty five, you know. So I mean, no, not,
1: yeah, not over thirty five times two for sure.
0: <laughs> My sister has had no less than ten or fifteen twenty first birthdays. So I mean, I
1: love that. You yeah. know,
0: she's like she is sta- straight up just stuck on that. She is twenty one years old. We can we can be whatever we want to be these days. So I
1: well, say,
0: why not? We can be whatever age we want to.
1: Yeah. Well, I usually say I'm forty through.
0: There you go. 40 I mean,
1: through.
0: the thing is, like being an entrepreneur and having to stay on your toes and all that stuff keeps you young at heart anyway. And so, I mean, we see a lot of people in any industry when they're running something like this and they're truly active in the business. They stay young at heart. It doesn't matter how old or wise, as I like to call it, how wise we get, you know, we still have to be sharp in our mind and, and young in our mind. So uh, I appreciate that you just kind of took that challenge head on and said, well, I'm not going to go serve coffee at Starbucks. I'm going to keep this thing going.
1: I did. And, you know, the interesting thing was I found out and and this is just part of the, and I tell this part of the story because I there's a there's a key component to it. So I found out within three weeks after my husband had passed away that the company was not even solvent. Yeah. He, um, a great business guy from the standpoint of his vendor relationships were excellent. Yep. He was great with customers, but what he wasn't great at was really the back end of running of the business and being honest about where the pitfalls were. So, yeah. you know, I, there were times when I would say, "You know, when are you going to show me the back end? What are you going to?" And he would say, "Just go do what you do. You sell. You're really good at that, and you're really great in front of the customer. Go do what you do best, right? Don't kind of don't worry about it." And I do remember saying, "You know, and and along with life comes a lot of lessons, right?" And yep. you know, being the young age that I am, uh, I probably have a Cache of life lessons longer than I'll, than some that are much younger than me, but that that just comes with time, and and you know one of those lessons was I used to tell a friend of mine, I said, you know I swear I think I'm living in a house of cards, and sure enough I was, and so when I found out that the company wasn't solvent, I started really diving deeper and realized we had about 175,000 in uncollected receivables. And I went, oh, aha, there's money somewhere. Let's get going, right? And, you know, I discovered that, you know, he had unfortunately gone through retirement money and family money and there was no money, right? But there was receivables. So we started collecting on the receivables and then I decided to take myself to zero. I sold my house of 23 years and there was enough in it to move five houses away and start renting a little house and literally just took all the, the distraction away. And I said, you know, we've got really good bones here. We've got great vendor relationships. We've got some good customers and a fabulous product. Let's just get after it. So that was 2015. And this is 2023. And so, um, you know, eight years later, almost eight years later, we've grown 350 percent and in revenue, profitability and people. So we're and and I have to know that he's probably up there looking down going, I knew she had it right. I knew she had it in her. And so that that keeps driving me forward. And like you said, you know, entrepreneurs just they have high energy. I have more energy than anybody in my company. Yeah, I, it's hard. I think
0: entrepreneurs are that we have a tendency to be that type A personality that is very prideful. And what I love about a good partnership is that you do have like this is a very naturally occurring thing. You have someone who's business acumen all the time. They know what they're talking about. They know what they're doing. They know how to run a business They know how to put the business together financially. And then you have the dreamer. And the dreamer is the one that's good with vendors, good with clients, can sell anything. You know, my grandma, I grew up in the South. So my grandma used to say, son, you could sell shit to a manure salesman. Like, that's what you do. And, you know, so you have that dreamer who has those big ideas about where to take the company, how to get there, and they can make it happen. But they need that business person behind them. And sometimes I feel like entrepreneurs, it's hard for us to let go and say, hey, you know what, that's not my expertise. So I want a good partner that's going to do that versus they just say, hey, I'm going to make it happen. It's pride, it's ego. And like, this is going to be a good thing. And it it sucks to hear that that story happened. But obviously, just like we talk about on the show all the time, when we look back at things and we see something, I mean, that's the worst thing that could have happened to you in your life right then was losing your spouse, you know, and then you look at the reason and the things that you found out and where it took you afterward. And you say, hey, I'm not happy that it happened. I bet you'd love to have found out all of these things with him alive and and go through that. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know that part of the story. But point being is everything happens for a reason so that those things could have been uncovered. And then you could move on and be even better and have this uber success. And let me tell you, I am a stickler about expiration dates. I get crap from the guys I work with at the station. Because I work 48 hours at a time on a fire truck. So we buy groceries, we cook food, all that stuff, just like you would at your normal house. It's just my second home, basically. And then I get crap at home because my wife is the one that's like, yeah, chicken's out of date, but it smells good. So let's go ahead and cook it, you know? And I'm the one that's like, the chicken goes out of date tomorrow. Let's go buy more chicken at the grocery store, you know? Uh, So I appreciate what you do. And though I had never thought about it from this perspective of, Just like everything else, there's somebody that sells the ink, somebody that sells the machine that stamps it, somebody that sells the software that you use for that machine, someone that sells every single part of it. And so it's really cool. And this is what I love about the show is to uncover these hidden like heroes, you know, because though there's always um, some type of controversy in every field and certainly expiration dates on certain items is a controversy based on you know are they putting these earlier dates on things that are perfectly fine because they want to make more money by selling more product versus are they protecting us but ultimately it seems to me like the the whole thing behind it is transparency for the customer on when it was made when it's going to go bad so that their' safety and it's something I appreciate because I guess the earliest memory that sticks out about me that I've always been a stickler and particularly about milk, was I went to, obviously in Houston, Texas, NASA is a huge thing. And so they have Space Center Houston. And I was visiting on the school field trip and this scientist that's dressed up doing experiments, which of course is probably all a show. And they said, hey, expiration dates exist because these microorganisms grow as things decompose. And then that's what causes it to stink. That's what causes it to taste bad. And then that's what causes damage to you whenever you drink it. And so they were like, as soon as the day after that expiration date is there, that's when all of this stuff starts to happen. And yeah. from then on, that just meant John Kelly cannot have milk that's expired even by like two hours of the day. I don't care. So <laughs> I appreciate what you do. And, and that is amazing. But I want to hop into what yeah. Tourmaline Enterprises really is. Now, I know you said that you're kind of behind the scenes on providing this machinery and selling this machinery and stuff. But Who is it that you're looking for as a client? Who are you targeting? And then what type of services are you providing exactly?
1: Yeah. So great question. Um, So, you know, everything that is touched by human hands is coded in some way these days, right? So we have so many different industries that that we support and our ideal customer would be a distributor. So... We work with packaging distributors that sell packaging equipment into factories. It's, it's that simple. So we work within the building materials industry, and there are distributors that sort of focus in that. There are some distributors that focus more into the pharmaceutical, nutraceutical industry, medical device. Uh, and we have distributors that solely focus on food and beverage packaging. So, you know, the world is kind of our oyster, if you will, and, um, and as long as the packaging distributor is interested in the, um, the, the coding and marking side and having equipment that they can offer, a lot of packaging uh, distributors sell the whole line of packaging, right? So they're going to go in and they're going to sell from beginning to end and we sell several components along the way so those printers could be at the beginning of the line the middle of the line and the end of the line because they will actually code directly on the product we can we can you know print directly on the product we can tr- print on that package the product comes in and then we can print on the what's called the tertiary packaging at the end that you put 12 boxes of something into a case and that gets shipped out right so all along the way the holy grail is the ink the ink is different for every different material it's printing on if there was one ink that that printed on everything everybody would be happy but unfortunately it doesn't work that way yet so so that's kind of the the basics and the nuts and bolts i mean you know, I was listening to, um, I believe it was Brendan from, um, from master talk on your podcast. Yep. And he was talking about, you know, the, the born entrepreneur and the, and the learned entrepreneur. And I I wanted to touch back on that because you were talking about entrepreneurs in general. And I think, you know, my late husband was sort of that, born entrepreneur he had that that visionary sort of background you know that that he had great relationships and and could sell and all of that and then there's the learned entrepreneur and that would be me you know i am a visionary by by definition for sure i have big picture thinking but i know that i have to surround myself with people who are experts in areas i'm not right and I think that's, that's where the differences come in my journey. And um, so that's, you know, that's what we do. That's what we're looking for is the distributor. Uh, but, you know, um, great example of uh, uh, some of our companies that we work with are Morton Salt, General Motors. I mean, brand names that, you know, use our product and use us.
0: Yeah. So those big products, are they doing this stuff in-house? So are you just selling directly to them and they're packaging it themselves? We don't sell
1: directly to them. Again, we sell through distributors. And we have about 68 distributors around the United States. We have 17 international. We cover uh, North America, Central America, South America. We cover the UK, uh, the Benelux. Are you familiar with the Benelux? I am not Luxembourg, Belgium and the Netherlands. Those oh, three, okay. those three little countries are called the Benelux and we actually have a distributor over there and then we have distribution down into Australia, New Zealand and the West Indies. I for mean, a- if
0: you need to send me to that area just to go like check in and do an episode from there about, you know, how distributors work, I'd love to just do a quality assurance check for you. Let's go. So-
1: <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. And I'm you know 100% in. One of our favorite distributors is actually over in the UK and Scotland, and they've been in the industry for so long that her father was one of the original engineers that that designed some of the equipment that we use, right? And uh, they own probably about 85% of the scotch industry over there with packaging, you know. Oh, man. Great suppliers. I say, let's go do some taste testing, right?
0: All day, anytime. <laughs> so I want to understand completely, and I think I have a grasp on it, but obviously I'm I'm ignorant to all of the details because it's not a business I've ever been in. But your distributor, is this the type where, you know, if I have XYZ, um, XYZ cookies, right? And I yeah. want to package those cookies up, then is your distributor... Someone who is selling to a cookie company that packages those, or not a cookie company, but a company that packages for several people. Like, yeah, where basically I would farm that out and say, I've got these great cookies, but obviously I'm not going to sit here in my office and package cookies. So I'm going to hire ABC packaging company, and that company is going to make the labels for me, put the expiration dates, do all this stuff. And you're selling to the distributor that provides them with the supplies that they need. So you're actually like the supplier of raw material, if you will, and then yeah. they distribute that stuff to the people who are doing this for companies that have innovative ideas and products that can't do it in-house.
1: Exactly. That would be called a co-packer. In our industry, there you we go. have yep. a co-packer. So you, know, you, you create a hot sauce. We were just talking about hot sauces and foods, right? You Heck create yeah. a hot sauce and you want to package it. You've got the recipe. You go to a co-packer. They have the ingredients. It's mixed, it's bottled, it's jarred, whatever, and they pack it there and they put it through the whole processing line. Most people start out kind of that small if they're a craft food and then they craft food maker, not craft foods, Um, and then they go and then they start to scale. And at some point they get to the point they can no longer scale it themselves. Then they go to a co-packer.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm familiar with co-packers on another level. Yeah. um, But I've never, you know, spoken to someone who kind of sells the materials to the person that makes sure that those co-packers are provided everything they need. It's kind of like you're the manufacturer and then they buy your product and sell that product to these people for you or with you. So,
1: yep, exactly. I, I I grasp it now. Yeah. And I absolutely love it because every day is different every day is different. Every customer is different. You know, we've got customers from, like I said, food packaging to gypsum manufacturing, right? Gypsum being the, the, you know, drywall board that builds your house. And those, those people, they have a, they have a code that literally is printed on the edge of the gypsum. So when, when they're building, they can grab it. This, this is going to tell them it's this board that, that is, you know, that size or whatever, it's a half inch high and it's nine linear feet long. That code is a long code. That's a lot. Yeah. of ink. That's a lot of ink, John. We're the razor and the razor blade.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. I spent some time in the plastics sales industry and, and that's where I was. I was at the distribution level. um for a big company that had warehouses in san antonio austin houston everywhere and my uncle's been there since he was very very young and he's uh, not just a branch manager he's one that brought the company to houston they had nothing there and he said you know i've got this dream that i could work for a company that's not a piece of crap and will take care of their employees not that he hated the other company he left but he got laid off and he was like i want a company that cares enough about me that I'm not going to get laid off. They're going to figure it out. And this company said, well, who the hell are you? (laughs) And he said, this is who I am. And this is what I can do. And this is my plan. And they said, awesome. Let's make it happen then. Let's see. And he made it happen. And so I got to spend some time learning from him and learning in the industry. And you're exactly right. Every single one of those pieces of plastic had numbers that I had to memorize and know so that I could properly execute that. But that's exactly who I was dealing with was know some product was very specialty and i'd have potential clients call and say i want this specific product and it's like well i need to figure out how to make, make us a distributor of that product now because we don't carry it typically and so i'd find that nurture that relationship directly from the manufacturer and then we would stock it in our warehouse and then exactly as you said send it out to companies who are now going to use this product which was probably marked by you know your industry And they're going to cut that product up and use it in whatever installation they're using it for, from building construction to printing to whatever else the case may be. But it's interesting when you see that supply chain in action. Yeah. And I I think that us not getting to see that as normal laypeople is where the confusion comes in when things like COVID occur. And it's like, well, geez, why is this piece of uh, acrylic that was you know, $26 five years ago, now all of a sudden $68 or $75. And it's like, because the plastic comes from China and then gets melted down or from Canada and gets melted down, sent to the U S and now I'm trying to sell it to you. And guess what? I can't get a shipment of that stuff in. So, uh, good luck on when I'm going to be able to get it to you.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a challenge during COVID, but we exploded. I mean, we were so busy because people were staying home and cooking more, so, Food and beverage just like went crazy, but we had to call. And I think one of the reasons we were extremely successful during that time was we decided that we would be ahead of the curve. We never shut down. We were essential. Everybody has to keep their production line going. So we made sure that we pivoted and we called every single customer on a regular basis. How are you being affected by the pandemic? How can we support you? How can we get materials to you please don't wait until you're out of ink before you order you know yep. because some of our ink comes from Malaysia some of our ink comes from the UK you know we've got you know so anyway it, it was a it was a challenging time but we rose to it and we grew like tremendously so um, you know our mission is to support the success of our clients through intentional solutions. An unprecedented service. That's our mission statement, and so we don't want to just sell a piece of equipment. We want to make sure it's the right equipment for that that particular application, and then we want to over deliver on all of our service. That's our goal. So that's I think that's what makes the
0: company great.
1: Yeah, I think that's why we are a great distributor partner you know, that's our, you know, and the whole team is, is just bought into it. You know, we've got a really solid team. Our culture is super strong. And what I've noticed, so I do, um, you know, on, on social media, I do a a thing once a week called tips from the trenches, right? Because people always want to know, you know, as a business owner, what challenges do you have? You know, what do you, you know, so I'm trying to just give people the advice of hey life is going to slap you in the face it certainly did to me you know and on more than one occasion and when it happens it's more important how you pivot out of that how you react to it than what you allow it to do to you right and so I you know I I produce tips from the trenches once a week and it could be something just as simple as you know Um, How do you stay motivated? You know, that's one of the one of your other podcasts was uh, the the icebreaker was how do you get up in the morning? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. You know, and and I and I play a game. the alarm The alarm goes off. I have two set by the way. I have two five minutes apart, and the game is can my feet hit the floor before that second alarm goes off?
0: I think that was the metal cloak episode with and Reiki that you're talking about with the alarms. And I, that was was a genuine conversation as I was editing that episode. Sometimes I'll edit while I'm in bed, you know, something that him and I actually talked about on that episode as well was, you know, we bust that laptop out in the middle of the night and my wife was sitting next to me and I was like, hey, I want you to hear something real quick. And she's like, okay. And I just played that part. And immediately as I started talking about my alarm situation, she was rolling her eyes and was like, oh, man, this is so serious. And it just pisses me off.
1: And I, I was just, like, hey, I get it. I was laughing because I play this game. You know, it's like, OK, countdown ten, ten 10 to 1. And those feet have to fit, hit the floor. And then I've got to immediately put my workout clothes on and get my workout in. I have to do it.
0: Yeah, I've heard good things about that early morning workout, but I identify (laughs) with a meme that I recently saw, and it said, waking up every morning and going for a run ensures that your day cannot get any worse. That's right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I'm like, I cannot get up. I hate running, let alone getting up in the morning and running, two things I really hate. Yeah. but. I'm trying to do something to change. It's just so hard. And I really do want to change. It's just, I guess I don't want it bad enough because I was sleeping through alarms this morning and then woke up to my wife standing next to me because she, uh, while we're recording this, she's on a one week break in between jobs. She actually left the city of Tomball and she's going to another city now. And um, so she was like, I'm going to take a week off in between and just take a well-deserved break. And then go to work. And I was like, great. And this whole week, she's been giving me the evil eye in the morning because I'm interrupting her morning time trying to sleep in and enjoy her life and be off work. And she's like, I might as well just gone to work this whole
1: time. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. So um yeah, so I, 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 love, I love the icebreaker question. And that one was ideal. And, you know, I think it, so it's interesting how entrepreneurs all run differently. All of us run differently. You've got the entrepreneur that's always got their schedule. They've always got everything dialed in. They can't do anything unless it's on a list. And then there's me, (laughs) you know, and I know I have to touch base with, with my people every day. I know I have to motivate somebody every day to keep myself, you know, up and motivated. And, um, And I have to touch base with a client every day. Those things motivate me. Those things motivate me to keep going, uh, to keep building something bigger. And I see Tourmaline as being an overarching umbrella of different businesses underneath. So, you know, it's building out that vision long term. And uh, that's, you know, that's kind of my goal going forward. So
0: how do we, because, you know, it's such a different conversation from the other podcast episodes that we've had. And so the big question is, how do we as everyday listeners support you? And I mean, I'm guessing part of that is go buy more stuff at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, what's the best way that we can help to support you based on this episode, barring that somebody listening right now is like, holy crap, I was looking for a new ink distributor for my you know, marking and coding machine 1000 just yesterday. I'm going to give her a call. You know, what can we do to be there for you?
1: Right. Oh, I love that. And that's a great question. You know, I, I always say, for one of my mentors always says, uh, you know, the quality of your questions determines the quality of your results. And that's what I love about podcasts that are successful, they're always asking great questions. So, Thank you for that. Um, I think mostly it's, uh, you know, my my vision and my goal is to reach the entrepreneur, the struggling entrepreneur who wants uh, somebody to encourage them, give them some advice to go on. Um, uh, if they've got challenges, I want to hear about them. So I'm always welcoming of people reaching out to me. But as far as business, how can, how can the listener help us? It's not just buying more more product. It's questioning where the product comes from, taking a look at it, and and if if there's a really rotten looking code that you can't read, calling that manufacturer, reaching out to that manufacturer of that potato chip bag or whatever, and saying, when does this actually expire? Because I can't read the date. Mm. Right? They're not all printers print properly and not all people have been trained to use the equipment properly so you as the consumer and i'll use this as as the example uh we also work within the can in the legal cannabis space right we're in california so you have to
0: just had that episode the day we're recording right now is four twenty, and that was my episode this morning
1: yep absolutely so um and and you know, we embraced it for two reasons. We embraced it. So number one, because my late husband passed away from cancer and I dosed him with cannabis because it was so rapid that he was never able to get into treatment. So I called my youngest daughter and I said, your dad needs a medical card. I need your help. And that was back before, just before it became legal. So anyway, that it was about 6 months after he passed away that i was looking at some of the things that that she had brought him or gotten for him to help him with pain and i was like oh food and beverage packaging and pharmaceutical it's the same yep. thing it's Absolutely. the same thing there is an opportunity here so to bring it home to answer your question as how the consumer really can can help is you don't want to walk into any kind of a cannabis product, not knowing what's in it and having traceability back to it, especially now with all the crises that we're seeing of uh, fentanyl and other products coming out, you know, you want to know where your product's coming from and you want to know that it's safe and especially that, you know, packaging is safe and it's child protected and and kids can't get into it and all of that. So coding and marketing is really, really critical. And if your product doesn't have it, then you shouldn't consume it.
0: Agreed. I mean, I, I told you about that at the beginning of our conversation, how much of a stickler I am about expiration dates. And that's the thing about ignorance to certain industries. And again, why I love doing this show is because I learn the most obscure things that you think maybe you wouldn't need to know. And then you find out a piece of information like this. And My wife and I just had something that I was opening. I can't remember what it was. And that was the exact thing I said. I literally can't read the expiration date because of where they printed it, first of all. Secondly, because it looks like it's all messed up. And I'm like, I'm going to err on the side of caution and throw this away because I'm not going to eat it now. Like, it's not something I trust, you know. And it is so important because there is a safety aspect to it. I don't need to consume something that is old and expired and growing, you know, microorganisms inside of it because of a normal process of breaking down. Right. And so you're right. Like now I know going forward, this is something that benefits your industry. And it's not just so I can call them up and say, well, I could tell you this isn't a tourmaline product, you know, it's so that I can call and, and say, hey, quit cutting corners and exactly. quit being, you know, quit not worrying about your." quality that you're putting out to your customer, give a shit about us and take yeah. care of us and in doing so that helps your industry because yeah, there's a lot of people talking about marketing uh, CBD and legal cannabis and that kind of stuff, you know, Restart CBD who I had on the show, that is something she talked about was I care about every single part of this process from where I'm sourcing the materials to how it's being made. To every single piece, it has to be put together. She won't even franchise yeah. because she wants to make sure that she can control the quality that's going out. She's like, I'd rather ship nationwide and yeah. have a brick and mortar in every single um, city. you know. So we need people like that who actually give a crap enough that it's like, no, I want to make sure that this thing is marked and coded properly. I want to make sure that it is clear what you're consuming and you do know the dosages because as you said, when you're taking care of your husband at the time, to make sure that you know he's comfortable in his final days, you need to know if you're giving him 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, 30 milligrams, why, how much, all of that stuff. And if it's not marked properly, then you're not going to know. And it affects the end user in the end because they're still gonna make their billions of dollars in profits. You're the one who's affected.
1: Yeah. And and you know, when we started dosing him, it was before it was legal. So we were getting things that had no marking on it. And it was, it was- the Wild West. And it was a guessing game and it was and it was frightening for me, less frightening for him because he was just in pain. But but interestingly enough, and you'll find I I know you'll find this interesting, there's only two industries that legally are required to put expiration date on. The dairy industry and the baby food industry. Now think of all the other things that you consume and ingest, and thank goodness, especially food packagers and pharmaceutical companies, well, pharmaceutical is another one that's highly reg- regulated, but, um, you know, that have to put the data on there, thank goodness, because, you know, um, the consumer is becoming more and more aware. And I think more and more companies do it because it gives them a level of credibility, right? And you're that consumer that wants that credibility. Right. But I think as things continue to go on, we're going to see those regulations and those requirements made in all products. So, you know. Absolutely. Companies that put it on there. and, And so for automotive, and let's just talk a couple of different industries, something like automotive or the building supply it's so that they can identify the product and know where it goes. So maybe, maybe it's a flywheel and and some other components are going in. They want to mark that part with this part. If it's aerospace, they don't want to be grabbing the wrong part and putting it together, right? And you don't want them to either, especially if no. you're flying, especially if you're flying in a helicopter over L.A., John. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. want to know. You want to They're know tracking... the
0: right parts in. <laughs> Yeah, that tracking becomes important, and that that makes perfect sense. It's just again not something you ever think about.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, like I said, I love what I do. I think it's, I love talking to entrepreneurs all the time because getting into business ownership is it's not for the faint of heart. You know, that's why I started doing tips from the trenches. It's not for the faint of heart. It takes uh, getting up every day being in that office when you feel like not being in the office, right. Or being in front of the customer, taking the phone call of somebody who's having a challenge, you know, and, uh, solving their problem, solving their issue, listening to them when something's not right. And, um, some people are just not cut out for that.
0: Yeah. It's a rough life.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good life. It's a great life. It's not. I love
0: it, but it's rough when you go through that stuff. You know, I, I just told my wife, um, she was like, well, have you gotten an answer back from that person yet? Because they seemed really interested and acted like they were going to purchase those marketing services from you. And I was like, well, no, they're not answering me at all, even though they said, send me the proposal, I'm ready to get started. And she was like, oh, well, that sucks. And I was like, that's every day.
1: Oh, like, I got That is just really a part good, of the life. I got a really good one for you. So what you do is you need to test that close so that they you're not waiting for them to get back to you. And you just say... Have you seen enough to make sense of this? And if they say yes, go, great. Let's get started. Make, and, and then wait for them to answer. Don't don't say, yeah. I'll, I'll wait for your email back, right? <laughs> Just say, great. Have you seen enough to make sense of the money? Let's go. Let's it was go.
0: that closed. when When that person walked out of my office, it was beyond that closed. It was, you are the answer to my prayer. How do well, I get started? And I said, sending an invoice now. Let's go and nothing. Oh, but wow. it happens, and it doesn't mean they're not going to sign up because right. you know right. it, we're entrepreneurs, we're busy, so yeah. it happens. It's not a big deal, but yeah, it's a part of life, man. You you have those customers that you've done everything right for, they yep. still are going to call and complain. Yep. Um, you know you have the ones that you emailed them and gave them the info they requested, and they call your boss and say, "Well, uh, this person's not answering me back, and I haven't gotten anything from them." And then you screenshot it to your boss and. The answer is not, okay, we'll call that customer and chew them out and tell them to screw off. No, it's, hey, I'm so sorry for the miscommunication. Um, yeah. Here's that info you requested. I, w- I wish I could have got this to you sooner. How do we move forward? And you just kind of take that chewing and move on, you know, so it's just yeah. a part of life.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. But it's the best part of life. You know, we are the people that keep the country going. And that's the other thing I love about being a business owner and, and you know, being in the in the U.S., Right. There are so many people around the world that don't have the opportunities that we have. And we are so lucky to have that kind of freedom here.
0: Agreed. A hundred percent. Now, I know you're a wealth of knowledge and I know that you've talked a couple of times about some of these tips from the trenches and stuff. So how do we connect with you and make sure that we're getting all of this information from you? And then, especially like you said, if somebody wanted to connect and share their story and their hardships and just kind of have a good networked connection there from the show.
1: Yeah. uh, Thanks for asking. I really appreciate that. So we have a great YouTube channel and uh, you can find us at Tourmaline Enterprises and that's T-O-U-R-M-A-L-I-N-E Enterprises. I believe it's Tourmaline underscore Enterprises on YouTube, but the reason people will always say, well, what is, what is tourmaline? I'm surprised you haven't asked me that because people usually do. And why did we, why did I choose that name? I chose it because so many people in our industry, they're a, a print this or a jet that, or an ink this, or a dot that. Right. And I took that concept of, uh, you know, nobody knows what a Yahoo is, but we all know who Yahoo is. And, uh, Someday technology may change and we may be doing something completely different. So I wanted it to be very agnostic. And there's a specific uh, gemstone called a watermelon tourmaline. It's green on the outside. It occurs naturally in three places, Brazil, San Diego, and South, South Africa. So three different places in the world. And uh, it's green on the outside. There's white. And then the center is pink and I chose it because uh, green represented new beginnings. So when I took the company over, I renamed it white because of honesty and integrity because of how things ended after my late husband passed and pink because I'm a cancer survivor and I'm a woman. So the guys in my office um, love our color combination. Let me tell you. (laughs) It's always the big challenge, but I always go, hey, at trade shows, anybody who wants to wear a pink suit, join me, right? They haven't done it yet. Oh, they I do done it, it in a
0: heartbeat. Are you yeah. buying the suit or yeah. do I have to buy it? <laughs> I'll
1: buy the suit. Then so i have, I've had one I've had one wear the pink suit, but people, people know us. I mean, they absolutely know us because of that. But um, So uh, uh, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, Tourmaline Enterprises is, is what you're going to be looking for. And our website is tourmalineenterprises.com. And, uh, there's fun videos, there's fun, you know, fun facts about packaging. And, and we try to, you know, we try to make things interesting for the consumer because we are that, we are that invisible company. Right. Yeah. So we try to we try to be as visible as you can as we can be at the major packaging trade shows. Our booth is LED lit from the inside out, so you can imagine it's bright. It's bright, and people see us. We're a licensee of HP from a specialty printing side, so we're a partner with HP, and uh, and our technology is really solid. So
0: that's amazing. Yeah, we yeah. do. Full service marketing here. So everything from printing trade show booths to, you know, your website, graphic design, all of that. And part of that is branding and rebranding for companies. And that's what we try to get across to people all the time is like anyone can build you a $50 logo. But the reason you're going to pay so much for a logo from us is because you want to do exactly what you just did. Branding is about connecting with your audience and telling a story. That's the whole premise behind this show. And that's what it's about is. Yeah. Okay. Pink, green, and white. Cool. So some women love those colors. Some men love those colors. What about it? And when yeah. it has a story attached to each piece of your logo and your color scheme and everything else, it just helps you sell your brand so much easier. And the big thing is stand out because as you said, it's already an invisible industry. So you're trying to stand out in an industry that's already not very recognized. Right. And then on top of that, when every single you know, thousand vendors that are at that trade show, they've got, you know, dot or print or printer or ink or something in their name stand out from that too. So that people are like, okay, well, this one's not like the other 998 company names. Let me go see what they're all about, because I don't even know what they do. I like it. I think it's a great marketing, um, strategy there.
1: Thanks. Thanks. And the gemstone actually, um, is very geometric uh, we've turned it into the O in tourmaline. So when you look at our logo, we've incorporated that gemstone into it. So everything, like all of our branding, is solid. You know, it's. The, I was a, I was a art major in college. So,
0: right. Was, so you got it down. You know all about it.
1: Well, I don't got it down, but I have good ideas that I pass on to people like you that can execute them in a way that I cannot. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. It's fun. It's a, it's a really cool side when you get to build those brands.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think John, you I'm sure have the same concept about marketing is that marketing and branding, you have to be omnipresent with it. You have to be everywhere. This world has so many businesses and so many people in it and stuff is coming at us all the time. And people are only going to recognize you if you are everywhere, right? And if they see you repetitively, and if they don't see you repetitively, they're going to forget you as soon as they saw you.
0: There's a reason Coca-Cola still sells or buys a bunch of ad space all over TV, print, everything else. There's a reason Budweiser still buys million-dollar ad spots on uh, Super Bowl, you know, three, four, five spots at a time. I mean, there's a reason that marketing is such a big expense for companies that you would think like everyone knows who Coca-Cola is. Everyone knows their story. I don't think there's anyone on this earth except for a very remote island that has a civilization with no internet and no electronics and everything else. If you've got any type of internet connection or electronics, you know what Coca-Cola is. So why do they still pump probably at this point, billions of dollars into their marketing every single year? There's a reason for it. Well, to stand out.
1: The only thing that keeps a company going is marketing and sales.
0: I love it. I agree. That's why I'm in marketing and sales.
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely. Without marketing and sales, and you know what, I tell my my team that all the time. And I know we're probably coming to time here, but I, you know, I tell my team all the time that n- everybody's role in the company matters. But nobody would have a role in the company if sales and marketing didn't exist. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. Lori, I could talk to
0: you all day. You're a great conversationalist. And I really appreciate all the compliments that you have spread out there. It hasn't gone unnoticed. And yeah, it was it was an amazing conversation. And I can't thank you enough for your time today and talking to us and shedding some light on an industry I have not gotten to explore very much.
1: Well, good. I'm glad. I hope your readers will start looking at the industry a little bit more. And, and we all, if if nothing else, we all start looking at packaging a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, no, I will for sure. So
1: But I love the fact that you were a stickler on dates.
0: <laughs> oh, always. Yep. Even more now. You've probably just like inflamed more of a passion for it in me and my driver operator and my wife are going to really not appreciate it, but that's all yes. right. I'm here. Hey,
1: don't hesitate to send me anything that has poor printing on it. We will we will let that customer know they need us.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. We really appreciate you. Every single week, you make this thing happen and we get to hear some really cool stories together like the one we heard from Lori right here. Uh, I mean, this is an interesting topic. It's something I've never heard of. I hope you could hear the passion in my voice learning about this industry and I hope that it ignited something inside of you and you wanna learn more about it too. So please connect with Lori, especially if you're that business owner that's going through some entrepreneurial challenges and you need somebody who's already carved a path in what was a hard lesson and a hard road to go down. Uh, Connect with her, find out what she's doing, what she's done, how she's done it, because that's the best way is don't reinvent the wheel. Just use the one that someone else has already created and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, make those adjustments. But that's it for us. It's been another episode, another great entrepreneur and story, and we'll see you next week for another one. But as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Guys,
1: check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.